Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. The views and opinions of this show are directly those of the hosts and its guests. It does not reflect the opinions of its affiliates or its sponsors. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views. And it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens... When the mainstream view of the paranormal crosses paths with the Christian view, <laughs> something epic. This is Paratroop Radio. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. And tonight, we've got a very special guest on with us. His name is Jamie Herones. Uh He is the author of The Day of the Dead. Uh, I'm sorry, Llewellyn's little book of The Day of the Dead. Uh, Jamie was born in 1989. He has followed the Wiccan path since he was 13 years old. He writes about the spirituality, about spirituality, magic, minority religions, myths, and witchcraft, focusing on Mexico and Latin America. He works in customer service and social media. He collaborates as an international columnist for The Wild Hunt, a daily news site for pagans, heathens, Wiccans, witches, and polytheists. So we're going to go straight to the line with Jamie. Jamie, <laughs> welcome to Paratruth Radio. Hi, Justin. Hi, Ray. Thank you for having me here. And hi, everyone listening. Absolutely. So we brought you on to talk about your book, The Little Book of the Day of the Dead. But for those that don't really know what the holiday of the Day of the Dead is, why don't you tell us a little bit about what the Day of the Dead is? Yes, of course. Um, So the Day of the Dead is a celebration celebrated mainly in Mexico, but also in Latin America and across the world where there are Latin and Mexican populations. It is celebrated around November 1st and November 2nd. And it's a time when we celebrate and remember those dead loved ones, those who have passed away and are not longer with us. And we usually set up an altar for them. We visit the graveyards or where their remains are. And, and there's a lot of cooking, food, and it's a happy celebration. It's not a celebration that comes out of um, sadness, although there's, there's a nostalgic feeling. It's a happy celebration when we yeah, remember and honor our loved ones and ancestors. Okay. So would it be something similar to a funeral? No, not at all. Well, well, depends on on on, (laughs) on the concept you would have of a funeral and and where the funeral is. But and not at all. This is a celebration when um, when we remember our dead loved ones, even if they are um, relatives or friends, and if they died recently or not if we met them or not, it could be, uh, I don't know, a great one father that we didn't meet in person when they were alive. 
Um, okay. During this time of year, we we think of them and the most common um, activity in the, in the celebration is setting up an altar uh, for them, the day of the day altar, when we put their pictures, flowers, food, and, and mm, a lot of people also visit yeah, the, the graveyards or the places where their remains are during this time um, to honor and show the respects. Well, now, <clears throat> at the beginning of the book, uh, well, first first off, the Day of the Dead and Halloween are very close in terms of the time in which the holidays are celebrated. Uh, now, at the beginning of the book, you state that there are similarities between both Halloween and the Day of the Dead, as well as dissimilarities. And I was wondering if you could just give us some of those similarities and dissimilarities, uh, just so there's a better understanding. Absolutely. Well, yeah, there's... These are two different celebrations, but they have a close relationship in my opinion. And basically because they they fall around the same day. Um, but, um, but yeah, there are a lot of differences. Let me start with the differences. Um, so in Halloween, most of the activities come from um, and dressing up with costumes and, and decorating your house and more in a, like a fun way. And although the day of the, of the, day, of the day is a, a, a happy or celebration, like I was saying earlier, that it, it does not come from, 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 from a sadness point of view of death. Um, it, it comes from respect and it, it is focused on our, our dead loved ones and on our ancestors, on ancestors, yeah, worshiping and remembering those who have passed away. And, and one similarity would be that, or another reason they're related could be that um, both have um, mixed history that comes from um, pagan traditions, and in the case of Mexico, from the indigenous communities or indigenous uh, populations, and it's mixed with the Christian history. And in the case of, of Halloween, um, for example, um, it comes a lot from uh, this Celtic celebration, Halloween, and then the Christian. Um, uh, celebrations in this case, the Day of the Dead. Um, there, there were a lot of, there were a lot of, um, there was a huge relationship, a close relationship with death. There were celebrations for the death, and the Catholic celebrations that were brought by the Spanish people um, resulted um, in in these in these celebrations of the Day of the Dead. Uh, where that has um, a lot of mixed symbols from both from in indigenous communities and Catholicism. Um, but um, the day of the day is a living tradition and it mingles with other celebrations, especially when um, uh, Mexican or Latin communities are present in other parts of the world, like in the US 
Or even here in Mexico, you see um, a lot of people celebrating Halloween and you can see uh, Day of the Dead symbols and decorations in a house, but also you can find um, Halloween decorations in the same, in the same house. Um, those would be for me like the biggest differences, but also the, the similarities. The one thing that I loved that you had said at the beginning of the book is that this is not a holiday for you to just do something like a an altar and then post it on social media, and that's how you celebrate. That it's a cultural holiday that uh, you should be showing respect to the dead, and that you should be celebrating it for yourself, not just for showing it for all to see. Yeah, so I wanted to provide a bit of introduction in my book on, well, first why I was writing the book, but also that the Day of the Day is a very diverse celebration and mm -hmm. it is celebrated differently across the country and, and in, 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 in different uh, areas and regions. Um, but um, so it needed to come from respect and respect for those, for that diversity. And I wanted to share in my book um, more about the Day of the Dead for, for, for the reader to understand where it comes from, but also what right. you can learn from the Day of the Dead celebration, that um, with this approach of the Day of the Dead celebration, um, coming from more of a happy, honoring place uh, than a sadness that someone is not with us anymore, what we can learn, for example, in the grieving process. And at the end, for me, uh, worshiping our ancestors, remembering our dead loved ones, it's a universal thing. It's a universal activity. We all have our dead loved ones. We all have uh, people we remember that are dead. And there are celebrations related to death all around the world. And so it's not, it's not something unique in, in, for this celebration or, 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 or for this um, uh, or it's not something unique in Mexico what I, it's, it's a universal thing so I wanted to, to share more about the Day of the Dead and how you can learn from it and also apply it to your way of beliefs, living um, or the region you live at and, and I gave that introduction as well that yeah, it has to come from a from a from 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 a respect uh, point of view. Um, it's not something. Uh, it's not something intended for you to. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, take a picture on Instagram and say I'm celebrating the Day of the Dead. It's more. I wanted for people to understand where it comes from, the context, the history, and and appreciate more the celebration than just and um, take it without context. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Now, when I don't know if you've gotten any responses uh, from people who've read this book or if you've talked to people one on one, but uh, I think a lot of people, you know, they, they, they see death as a very negative part of life. Uh, but because uh, you in this book encourage people to celebrate death, uh, to celebrate the loved ones who have passed, do you find that people who aren't accustomed to that kind of thinking uh, tend to react in a certain way behind this kind of idea to celebrate death as opposed to simply fearing it? Well, I definitely, I definitely think that it's not something common for the general worldwide population. 
but I I talk about that as celebration from both from two from two perspectives. The first one is that in Mexico we have a very different relationship with death, and this comes from yeah from before uh, this the Spaniards Spanish people came. Um, we it's it's complex to explain it, but we 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 talk about death, we laugh with death, we dress it like we have hundreds way hundred ways of naming the death. Like the instead of referring to death, we say uh, uh, la flaca, which means the skinny one. We personalize it, um, so in this context, um, it's a celebration. Um, mostly because the way we, as Mexican culture, we relate to death. Of course, there's grieving, you know, processes, and when someone dies, we are sad. Um, but we, in, in this celebration, we, we host for them a party, even though we they are not physically with us. And that's why it's a celebration. We, we, it's a way of thinking that our relationship didn't end or the, the, the link between them and us didn't finish when they pass away on this life. And the other perspective that I talk about is also from my personal experience, my personal beliefs that I'm awakened. And I believe that um, that is not the end. And that is part of a cycle. And it's also a celebration because of the background of the contest on why Day of the Dead is celebrated. And the Day of the Dead is celebrated or is, very, or is related to the agricultural cycle of the maize of the corn. At this time of year, uh, the rainy season is coming to an end and, the harvest of, and it's when the harvest of the corn happens. And mostly in the center and south of Mexico, um, it's the time when the indigenous communities celebrate this harvest and they celebrate this harvest, this abundance with their ancestors, with their, with their dead loved ones. They, they see it as a time when, um, when they came from scarcity to abundance and they want to celebrate this abundance with their ancestors because they see that without their blessing, this, this abundance wouldn't be possible. So that's like the context on why the day of the day happens. And, and at the end, that's why it's a celebration because it's a time when we celebrate with them what we have. So the, the one thing I loved about this book, uh, one of the other things I loved about this book is that you make it very easy for people that want to celebrate and to join in the in the holiday to uh, be a part of it, which meaning you break down what you would do to create an altar. Uh, I, I love that you had included different activities for the celebration. So kind of describe a typical uh, Day of the Dead celebration where you come from. Yeah, right. So um, earlier um, I was saying that Day of the Day is very diverse. So I just, I first want to 
say a disclaimer that some people may celebrate for weeks and others just for one day. Uh, so, and replying, it's my personal experience and how I celebrate. So the, the most common activity on the, of the day of the dead and it's something like it's, um, it's, yeah, it's common for the general population is the day of the day altar. So this is a place at your home, usually, you know, a, a, a table um, or some part of your home where you can place items at, at the time of year. Um, mm. And it's a place where you're going to um, uh, remember your dead loved ones during the celebration. It's like setting up a table for a party, but uh, you're the host. And even even though you're, you ha you're having guests, these guests are not going to be uh, physically present. So in, in this altar, we usually put uh, pictures of our dead loved ones. And I, I come together with my family. I gather pictures of uh, our dead aunts, our dead um, uh, cousins, grandparents, and above. And also of friends close to me that have died. And part of the celebration is also that uh, interaction with my family, remembering our dead loved ones, remembering their lives, honoring their lives. And so uh, I put these pictures on the altar. Uh, we also put um, water, salt, and flowers. And there's a flower that is very common on this uh, celebration, which is called Sempasuchil, and it's a marigold. It's known as the Mexican marigold. And we place this flower on the altar. We also sometimes, some people sprinkle the, flow, the flower petals from your entrance of your home to the altar as a way of guiding them to your altar. And we uh, place food. In the, on the altar as well. And we place things that our dead loved ones used to love. For example, for my grandfather who loved wine and he used to smoke a lot, I place, um, well, a, a, um, wine and some cigarettes. And for aunt that loved tequila, we place tequila. And for the children, we place candy, juice. Mm. So a big part of the celebration is that, like setting up the altar. And it's a very um, emotional um, activity um, where you're remembering them, hope placing the altar. Some people also, like me, we talk to them, hope placing the altar, like this is for you, I hope you enjoy it. And during the celebration, and that's when it differs from people to people, but, and, I, I, I leave the altar there for a few weeks or for, for a few days or even a week. Um, I, during those days, I, I remember them and I meditate, I talk to them and I do that near the altar. I change the water, I change the food. And it's like if you had guests for a, for a, for a bit of time at your home, and but the difference is that this time the guests are your dead loved ones or your ancestors, and you may not see them, but um, but but like you feel it from the heart or 
or you remember them. Okay. Well, in regards to, to feeling it in the heart, um, like over and over in my studies, uh, whether it be a type of witchcraft, religion, or otherwise, uh, one common link between them is that whether it's a spell, a prayer, or even just a thought, uh, they are seemingly meaningless unless you believe, like really believe in whatever it is you're asking or placing into this world. Uh, now, one of the things that you mentioned, as you just did, is that when you perform a ritual or celebrate a loved one, you're, you can pretty much do it however you want, so long as your heart is truly in it. Uh, now, why is that exactly? And is there some type of consequence or whatnot if your heart isn't fully involved? So... Okay, that's 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 a very hard question. Okay. Uh, first, so first, I believe like every action, um, spiritually speaking, has to come from the heart, because that's like the intention and like the ambient setting that you're that you're placing there. Second, um, the link to our dead loved ones and to our ancestors is our love. It's the love that has not ended. So that's why it has to come from the heart because that's where, that's the, like, like that's the key or that's where you can call them from. Um, but also, um, there was a part where you were saying that um, if you do not put that intention, people wouldn't wouldn't believe in it. Um, well, so so the idea that that I'm coming from is, uh, for example. Uh, being a Christian, when I pray, it's important to believe in whatever it is you're asking God for. Uh, or if you're a, a practitioner of witchcraft, you often have to believe in whatever it is that you're you're practicing and whatever spell you're conducting in order for it to actually work. Uh, and so the, the question is really just, um, do you have to have a specific set of beliefs or, or a strong faith uh, when reaching out to your your ancestors or loved ones to make contact with them? Or can you just simply sit up the altar and they'll just kind of come to you uh, without any true, you know, you know, like a heart in it? Oh, gotcha. Okay. And so it's still a complex question, but. <laughs> um, Sorry. <laughs> no. Um, on one hand, you like, you have to believe in anything you do. Like sure. even if it's not like spiritual or magical if you don't believe it in what are you doing but i think on the other i think it depends on what you on what we define as what we believe in when setting up a day of the day altar for example um so it's a time when they return to us but um and a general way of looking at the day of the dead and it's very rom um, romantical way of looking at it is that it's a time when they visit us. From my own personal experience, and that's my personal experience because of my beliefs, I see it as that during this time of year, the, the velveting 
the worlds between the living and the dead is thinner. So it's a time when we are aware that they are here or when we notice they are here because they never left us. So I think it's a matter of perspective and in terms of if you believe that performing these actions during the celebration will bring your dead loved ones. What I will say is that they have never left. They are there in your heart and like they are around you. Um, but I would say that you wouldn't have to believe in um, your dead loved ones performing a specific action and coming to you and like actually seeing them or, or noticing signs. I think I would focus more on believing in their lives on what they meant to you and that through these actions during the day of the dead, you're honoring their lives and you're remembering them. Um, and yeah, that's why um, it, it's related that it has to come from the heart. Um, for example, when I speak with my uh, when I speak with my family and we gather the photo albums and, and we select what photos uh, to display on our on our altar, a um, big part of it is looking at the pictures and remembering them, and that sparks a lot of more of memories or even dreams. Um, so you do have to believe, but you have to believe in in the link you have with them, even if they are not physically with us anymore. Okay. So bringing up religion, um, do it's hard to form this question. Uh, it, does that kind of shape how people celebrate the Day of the Dead, depending on what religion you follow, or is it kind of similar across the board where everybody uh, creates the altar and celebrates the same way? Um, so, yes and no. Um, it's, it's a celebration that you can see any type of people celebrating no matter their, um, uh, their beliefs or religion. Um, as, our, as most of the, our population is Catholic, a lot of the uh, of the rituals will have Catholic um, symbols or prayers, um, but I've seen like a lot of people celebrating the Dead of the Dead, even though they are not religious or or they do not consider themselves like spiritual, and it, it goes beyond them, their beliefs and religions. And um, it so much goes beyond that. You can see the day of the dead even in, for example, in my in schools during this time of year, you can see um, day of the dead altars or in universities or in libraries or in government offices or even in, I don't know, a gym. Like no matter where you go, you can see day, like Day of the Dead altar set during this time of year. 
um, for example, I don't know, maybe a, uh, a music school uh, sets up a day of the dead altar and the photos are of dead famous, famous musicians. And an example also could be that um, when, in 2017, we had a very strong earthquake in Mexico City and a lot of buildings uh, uh, fell down. And it was uh, around mid end of September. So the next month around the day of the dead, people like neighbors in the community, people went to those buildings uh, um, and outside on, on, on the sidewalk, they set up day of the dead altars honoring those who had died during the earthquake. So it's, it's, it's an example for me that the day of the dead goes below the beliefs or and it's in, and, 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 and the population, like it's, it, it, it's so, it's, it's part of, of, our, of, of our community and our, of, of our way of thinking. And, and yeah, if, if someone is Catholic or in my case, I'm weakened, and so we we adapt our beliefs to the celebration, and we we mix it or it mingles as it's a spiritual practice. But the day of the dead goes beyond that. Okay, got it. All right. So um, one other question I had for you is: being Wiccan, are are there certain um, spells or rituals that you do personally? In general, or for the Day of the Dead? Uh, for, for the Day of the Dead. <laughs> well, not really. It's just that, um, for example, like there's no specific ritual. But in my book, I provide an example of meditations and rituals on, uh, that, and that, um, that people can perform during the Day of the Dead. But I provide them as a framework or as a template that you can adapt according to your beliefs. So the difference is that if I'm weakened, for example, when setting up the altar, I may first call, when calling, I don't know, first speaking in, in general, the divine, when calling the divine, I first call uh, the goddess, the god, my spirit guides before calling my dead loved ones. And I don't know, maybe someone Catholic will first make a Catholic prayer or during the day of the day would perform a Catholic prayer uh, for their dead loved ones. Um, I do not have like a specific week one ritual for the day of the dead, but um, when interacting, praying or inviting our de my dead loved ones, I do apply my weekend beliefs or even my, my, my weekend knowledge. Okay. Well, that is pretty much all we have for you. So I wanted to give you a chance to uh, tell everybody where they can find you, find your books, all that great stuff. Okay, great. So um, the uh, my book, Lewellyn's Little Book of the Day of the Dead, you can find it in um, your favorite local bookstore. And if you don't, you can also find it at lewellyn.com, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, um, and I think um, I think only in a lot of places, but those are that, that uh, the ones I know for sure. Um, 
that's it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Jamie, thank you so much for being on Paratruth Radio, and you have a good evening. Thank you both for the invitation and for having me here. Of course. All right. All right, folks. That was uh, Jamie uh, Jirenius, and he is the author of the book, Little, the little book of the Day of the Dead. Um, we are going to go take a quick break. You'll hear Eric's random fact of the day, a quick commercial, and we will be right back right after this. Now, Eric's random fact of the day. Have you ever wondered how much paper one tree can make? Well, according to infoplease.com, Since trees are different sizes, it would be difficult to say how much paper comes from one tree. According to one paper manufacturer, however, a quart of wood measuring 4 feet by 4 feet by 8 feet, or 128 cubic feet, produces nearly 90,000 sheets of bond-quality paper, or 2,700 copies of a 35-page newspaper. This was Eric's random fact of the day. There are spirits everywhere, watching, waiting, seeking that opportune time to reveal themselves like no other. They fill our worlds with so much. Seriously? You didn't just do that. You farted on the promo? What's wrong with you? I thought you were professional. Go away. Go. I, I got it. I got it. Hey everybody, it's Brian Bowden, host of Nobo Boomy, where we explore deep inside the Goblin universe. We have an amazing show that covers the paranormal, conspiracies, music, art, entertainment, trending topics, and so much more. Please join us by subscribing to the show on Podbean at InsideTheGoblinUniverse.Podbean.com, on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and everywhere you find podcasts. It's an informative, fun, and overall entertaining good time, and uh, we'll keep the gas to ourselves. Why don't you burp next time? Someone get me Brian Anderson. Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Joe. And And we're we're the the Professional Professional Book Book Nerds. Nerds. Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe. On Thursdays, we share recommendations and dive into topics readers face, like how do I actually read the books on my to-be-read list? You can find the Professional Book Nerds podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen, and as always, happy happy reading. reading! What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Paratruth Radio. As always, my name is Eric. And I'm Justin. So regarding the Day of the Dead, because it's mm-hmm. a very interesting concept uh, when you consider the holidays uh, that, that people like you and I are accustomed to. 
because we mm. know of the Day of the Dead. We've, you know, in, in part have celebrated the, the various, some aspects of the Day of the Dead. Obviously, obviously not so much the actual um, placement of altars and, uh, you know, placing sediment. Uh, sentiments, things like that for our loved ones. Although we do something similar when we go to a cemetery, for example, if we go to visit uh, past loved ones, uh, but we don't mm. celebrate it in, you know, like this full festival type of thing. And it's really interesting to me to see how people from various cultures do celebrate, because even though there are many cel- uh, similarities, there are also many dissimilarities uh, between them. Uh, Halloween, as uh, Jamie had talked to us about, uh, is one of those. And for for many cultures, Halloween is still the celebration of the dead, this thinning of the veil. And even though things like the media especially have created this horror-esque version of Halloween, uh, Samhain itself isn't necessarily... Uh, horror-esque or isn't meant to be, right? It's supposed to be this celebration of the dead, uh, at at least in your internal self, a a remembrance of those who have passed. And that's how it started um, with the pagan religions. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I feel like the Day of the Dead is still one of those things that even if you're, regardless of your religion or whatever, you, you can still celebrate it as an individual, uh, in the least, I guess, to take the time to remember to have a dinner uh, with friends and family to celebrate those like our grandparents or, you know, our, our aunts or uncles who have passed, uh, you know, loved ones. Uh, and I think that's something that could be kind of, in a way, fun and also a good way to sit down and just remember the, the time that we had with them, you know? Right. Well, and I mean, that's something that we kind of, in the time of a funeral, and that's why I brought up this, you know, we get wrapped up in the moment and are sad when really a funeral, much like the Day of the Dead, should be a day of celebration for the person's life, not necessarily uh, mourning them. I mean, of course, it's absolutely normal to mourn somebody's death, but we should really be celebrating their life rather than worrying about them being gone. Um, and yeah, I, I, think I truly think good. Uh, I was going to say, I think there's, there's a, a sense of selfishness uh, from most of us when it comes to losing a loved one, because oh, absolutely. we don't really know what happens after you know, they pass away. Not really. We, you know, we have our beliefs, we have our faiths. Um, but in the end, we really don't know unless until it's our turn. Right. And right. so I think in terms of funeral, uh, you know, obviously when you're really sad and you're hurting, it, it's not so much you're sad for that person who passed away, but you're sad for yourself who've lost that person. So, yeah, I, I think in those senses, it's kind of selfish and still though, like you said, a, a celebration in a way to to remember them and, and there's always going to be that hurt and we know like during the ceremonies at funerals you know there's various people who are standing up and talking telling stories of, of this person and you know what have you um and i i, I recall one day so i think it was after uh, i know it was after grandma grandma died um mm-hmm. cancellary 
And I had mentioned at one point how, not the funeral itself, but I was saying how it was a lot of fun. And I know some of our cousins is like, it's not fun. Grandma died, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, but it, our whole family came together. All the cousins right. from out of states and stuff like that. That's what I was referring to. And it's sad that it takes something like a death to bring everybody together. But that's what was fun about it was the the idea that uh, you know, this one person was capable of bringing so many people who have been apart for so long. And we all do have a really good time when we are together, regardless of the situation, most of the time. Uh, and that's the way it should be, I think. I think right. it, it obviously has to be in context as to what exactly fun is. But, you know, that's part of the celebration is to have fun and, and remembering who, who, who it was that passed on. Right. And what they taught well, us. And isn't that amazing that the people that could do this in life could also do it in death? Sure. Absolutely. Uh, not now not everybody can do it in life <laughs> well, i'm not no. saying that but the 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 older generations that we think of our grandparents uh our great grandparents if you had the chance to meet them um always would bring a a sense of love and, and happiness in their life so they would do the same in their death by bringing people together um right. so i i think that that's a, a very good and, and true statement for sure. Something I wanted to ask you coming from Catholicism when you were first baptized, uh, that this holiday kind of coincides with, uh, all saints day or all hollows day, uh, depending on, or the feast of all saints, depending on where, where what you're talking about. Is there any similarities? I mean, obviously all saints day were, you're celebrating the saints, but is there any similarities to the day of the dead in celebration? Um, I mean, I mean, it, in, in a way, not quite to the same extent as uh, the day of the dead. You know, the, like I said, the day of the dead is a pretty huge celebration. There's parades right. and the whole bit, you know, you don't have that in the Catholic church uh, when it comes to those things. Um, and, and I'll forgive me because it, it, I mean, it's been a long time. I mean, I was 18 <laughs> <laughs> uh <laughs> when i finally you know got all that i needed Understood it, it. yeah <laughs> yeah and and walked away entirely from the catholic church so that's a good what 28 so almost 20 years almost uh since i've been in the catholic church and i've studied any catholic um anything really <laughs> uh but you know early early on uh in in Catholic history, you know, there were, of course, various um, tokens to the dead. You, you would still put out things to, in remembrance. You, you would have kids going door to door, um, collecting or giving, uh, I think they're like biscuits in a way, as a way to, to, um, to, to lead people back to the house, the dead to the house. Um, you know, there'd be like these little food items, things like that. Much like Jamie was saying, you'd leave these little uh, sentimental valuable things whether it be uh something that is um 
something that belongs to the person or a, mm. a certain food item that that person might like as, as a way to lure them back. Uh, and of course, as I said, we, you know, when, when you have the pagan belief kind of come in to the mix and we start putting out these pumpkins, uh, these jack-o'-lanterns to keep evil spirits away. Uh, and we wear masks to keep ourselves safe from evil spirits. You know, all this kind of got mixed right. in and it all kind of jumbles together. Now we have the church saying, don't celebrate halloween at all whatsoever it's it's you know an evil thing and you got to be wary of it uh and i guess in a sense that's true depending on what your faith is and what you're planning on doing you know stuff like that and just in a general sense because let's face it it's a dangerous world out there and even to this day there are people giving away really bad um candy that is poisoned or you know has some type of you know something that's harmful um but yeah, you know, it's there. Are, yeah, there are some similarities, but for the most part, it's still very different from the Day of the Dead celebration. Well, and it is interesting that a lot of churches will um, heed not to celebrate Halloween because, like you said, Halloween originally was to uh, scare away evil spirits. So you would think that the church would be all on board with that. And I'm not saying that they're in the wrong here. You know, they have their own beliefs, but it is interesting that a lot of churches are saying, or, or, or they celebrate differently. They don't call it Halloween. I honestly cannot remember what they call it anymore. Unless you remember, Eric. I, but, I don't, I don't remember, but like where they put the cars around a circle and let the kids still trick or treat, but it's not Halloween. It's Oh, the whatever trick or trunk. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty much right. what we call it is trick or trunk. Um, <laughs> which also sounds kind of bad because trick or trunk, <laughs> they throw you in this trunk and shut the door. And you can stay there until Monday morning. Or whatever, and um, that's still a trick. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a trick on the other person. <laughs> so the thing is, um, the the main reason the church, and by church I mean the Christian church, uh, is very standoffish about Halloween, is because so many of them are fearful to talk about anything demonic or evil in nature, um, and, and that's what they believe Halloween is—a demonic holiday uh especially in the fact that it's a pagan holiday so celebrating it means celebrating the devil which isn't always the case unless that is what you're actually doing right there's a lot that comes into the belief of the system the faith uh, of the holiday you know your own beliefs we've talked about this when it comes to symbols you know what does the pentacle mean what does the pentagram mean what does you know this or that mean you know and it's really all in the eye of the beholder uh, what does it mean to you? Now, of course, there are symbols like the inverted pentagram, which often is representative of Satanism. Uh, but even still, there could be a completely different meaning to it if you put that kind of meaning into it. So uh, when it comes to Halloween, yeah, the church is very standoffish. I can't tell you how many times my the church I used to go to, I don't have a church anymore. Uh, but a church that I went to or the church I went to would often argue with me whenever I had questions about uh, Satan or about demons or about hell, stating that I need to stop 
thinking about those things, stop questioning those things and start thinking and questioning more about Jesus and about uh, the holy faith, about God and heaven and stuff like that. And I understand where they're coming from. It, they, they want you to learn more about uh, your savior as opposed to the entities that are trying to pull you from him. Uh, but for someone like me who has a genuine curiosity about the paranormal and especially the dark side of things being that I grew up in a haunted house and I went through this demonic uh, affliction at, for, you know, for three months, obviously there's kind of a draw to it for me naturally, even to this day. Now that's the reason why I study uh, various occult uh, practices and I, mm -hmm. I get into demonology and things like that while still remembering what my faith is and who I believe in. So <clears throat> yeah, the church has always been kind of, not always. The church has recently become standoff. And by recent, I mean, within the last hundred years, you know, uh, early on, it was a big thing. I mean, the Catholic church has exorcists for a reason. Um, right. it, it, and of course, there's that's a whole other thing we, we could actually talk about in another show is the idea of exorcism and how that works and what the faith is, what kind of faith you have to have. Because depending on the religion, it differs, you know. Uh, the Catholic Church is very strongly opinionated that only the Catholic, uh, that only Catholics can, who are trained as exorcists, can actually perform an exorcism, while anyone else cannot. Uh, Did we do an episode on that? We might have. It's a while ago, <laughs> a very long time ago. <laughs> but well, a very long time still. ago could be a year for us at this point because we're That's like, true. That's time true. is passing by way too fast. <laughs> He really does. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I I completely get it and understand it, but at the same time, even coming from a a perspective of a Christian perspective, you, in my opinion, I think you need to have those questions. Yes, I get the church wants you to to concentrate on Jesus and God, but truthfully, you should also really question the dark side, not question it as in, should I go that direction, but question it as, uh, you know, what is there? And obviously, uh, um, from a Christian perspective, it's the way to protect myself is my faith. Well, and I get that part. Right. And you're absolutely right. You know, the, it's Ephesians 10. Uh, verses 10 through 18, which is the, uh, the scripture that states the armor of God. Uh, and right. this armor is, you know, it's various items, spiritual items, right? Uh, that you would wear spiritually, of course. Uh, and by that, I mean, you would believe in your mind that you would put this on every morning. And that's something I used to do. And really, and I'm sorry, it's Ephesians 6, uh, 11 through 18, not whatever I said. Anyway, <clears throat> uh, this is something that I used to actually put on every morning. Uh, and I don't anymore because honestly, I've drifted a little bit to be completely raw <laughs> and open to everybody. I've drifted. Uh, so I don't do this as often as I should, but I still do it on occasion. And the idea is that when you wake up, you put on this armor of God by through prayer. Right. And so the armor of God is basically. Uh, I think it's five different items. One is the belt of truth, uh, which is uh, knowing what the truth is, you know, 
in, in yourself? What is the truth that you believe? Uh, it's also uh, the breastplate of righteousness, uh, righteousness being what is righteous with God uh, or in his, uh, in his word, in his, in his mind. Uh, fit your feet with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And feet, you know that is readying yourself to go wherever God calls you. Uh, taking up a shield of faith that is, of course, your actual faith, uh, which extinguishes all the flaming arrows of the devil. And of course, the last two is the helmet of salvation, meaning that you have salvation and you know uh, that you have salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is, of course, the word of God or the Holy Bible. And when you fit these things to yourself, they should be the full armor and weapon that you would need to defend yourself from Satan and his army. Now, the thing is, the church teaches you know what it is you have to wear what it is you have to believe what it is you have to practice what it doesn't do in most cases is teach you what to look out for yes there's sin right yes there's right. there's um a temptation you know sure temptation is flesh fleshy most of the time it's very rare you're going to be tempted by the devil himself or even the demon our own flesh is fallen so we will be tempted by our own individual nature uh and I can tell you that when you're tempted by a demon, it's very much different uh, or when you come in contact with the demon, right? So in my mind, we need to learn and understand our enemy so that we could better defend ourselves from it. Uh, and that's one thing that the church, at least as of now, is not ready or willing to do anymore. Uh, and that's kind of disappointing right. because there are so many people I talk to uh, who are Christians, uh, regardless of what, I hate to say, branch of Christianity, but... Unfortunately, there's branches of Christianity right. uh, who I'll be talking to and they'll be like, well, I didn't know that. You know, it's like, well, how do you not know about the devil? Like, it's it's even in scripture and it's because the church just doesn't teach it. Um, so, yeah, you know, right. hopefully if that's something you want to learn, that's why you come to Pair of Truth and we can talk about that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, I, I, I think that that's why our listeners come here is because they get to hear both sides of it. Um, it, you know, from, from coming from a little bit different perspective, I, I really think that no matter who you are, you shouldn't be going to the dark side. You're, you all have your own choices. I completely get that. My particular choice is not to mess with the dark side because, uh, not really wanting to know what the dark side is going to do to me if I go that way. So, um, but I, I do think that, uh, a lot of it has to do with intention, you know, from a Christian perspective, that's prayer and, and um, believing in God, Jesus Christ. Um, I do think that you can do that and, and still have a open perspective as well. Like you do, Eric. Um, but with that being said, um, we are getting close to the end. So do did want to do a little bit of housekeeping really quick. We are going to be at Scarefest next Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, we are now a part of KillerPodcasts.com, which is under the Evergreen Podcast uh, umbrella. And we are super excited for that. So um, if you haven't checked out Evergreen Podcast, 
check it out, evergreenpodcast.com. They've got so many different podcasts on there, uh, on that specific URL. Uh, everything from business to, uh, I do they believe they have some sports, Eric? I can't remember for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they have lifestyles. Uh, I do believe they have some writing and, and fiction on there. So check that out, uh, but also check out killerpodcast.com where you're going to find true crime, paranormal shows, um, conspiracy shows. So we're super excited for this venture and that uh, Evergreen thought of us to join on, on the beginnings of it. Um, any thoughts or opinions on what's going on with Paratruth Radio, Eric? Uh, you know, just, I, I think you'll agree, just excited about it, ready to see where this new venture takes us. Uh, it's been a long time coming, so yeah, looking forward to it. Also, make sure you check out paratruth.com. It's a new website for us. You can leave us a voicemail straight there on the website. And if you want to hear your voice on air, we will absolutely play it and give our thanks to you. And if you have any opinion or if you, you know, you want to want us to talk about a quick topic when we bring it up, or we can base the entire show on the topic that you're talking about in your voicemail, uh, go to paratruth.com, leave us a voicemail. You can click on the contact page and contact us that way. If you're not comfortable with the voicemail and check out all of our episodes, check out paramixologies, which more are coming up very soon. Um, we, did have a little blip in the matrix on the ones we did do. So we're going to create some more while we're in Kentucky. And so definitely stay tuned for all of that. Um, anything I'm forgetting. Mm, we're just a couple weeks away from Halloween. Big celebration. That time. Too. <laughs> and we are going to, you know, we, we have a guest for that. So it's going to be a good time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we are going to plan on trying to do a live ish show from mm-hmm. Scarefest. Um, if we don't do a podcast live, we'll probably be doing some Facebook lives showing everybody around and all that stuff. And when we do the actual episode, uh, we do plan on interviewing a couple of people around the event. So we'll include that in our episode. So stay tuned for that as well. Um, a lot of great stuff coming up for Paratruth Radio, a lot of good guests, and just a great time. So until next week, folks, where you'll find us same time, same channel. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Peace. This is Hey there. I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. 
We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon.